Every leader has problems. Increasing your leadership intensity won't fix them in a healthy way. You need an increase of clarity. From starting businesses, leading multiple nonprofit organizations, both large and small, and a full family life, Dr. Chris McAllister learned how to shift his thinking to thrive. He will help you order your internal world so you can lead your external world. Welcome to the Site Shift Lead Podcast with Chris McAllister. What's up, guys? So glad you're here for the podcast. And we are closing a special series we've been doing. Uh, This series has been on the seven mistakes everybody makes but few people learn from. And if you've gone back and if you haven't heard the other ones, go back and listen because they're going to provide the most insight uh, as we've moved forward in each of these mistakes to uh, what it means to really be aware and know who you are. However, you can listen to these as standalone also. Uh, But we're focused on shining a bright light on these mistakes. And I say we because I've had a guest with me in these episodes. Uh, So welcome back, Brett. Glad you're here, man. My pleasure, man. I wish we could come up with like eight or nine mistakes so we could keep doing this. Heck yeah, it's been fun, and uh, actually, we need to figure that out, how to do some more. We could just keep going on and on, like 72 <laughs> mistakes, uh, <laughs> till we run out, because we've both got a lot that we want to help people with, and what we're doing with SightShift and SightShift Champion to help people figure out who they are, help leaders, and help athletes with SightShift Champion. So, but let's dive into the mistake, because we are, um, we're working through this progression, and the last one we talked about this mistake where we try to insecurely be accepted by others. And then when you do that, you don't get to build the party that you want. And so we're putting a bow on all of these mistakes when you don't know who you are, when you're not able to go after your mission, when you don't know how to build the party that you want to be a part of. This last mistake is is kind of like the final touch because now we get into that decision-making process. And so this mistake, we're calling it this for now. I repeat self-sabotaging choices. Um, Nobody, if you put a hammer in their hand and they swing the hammer down at their thumb, is going to keep repeating that uh, and smashing their thumb. Why would they keep hurting themselves? When I first, uh, my first job after my freshman year of college, my first year, my first job in college, I should have said that that way. Uh, I didn't have but one job, uh, after my freshman year, but it was concrete construction. And I did not grow up doing that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I mowed our grass and, you know, did some things like that, but I'd never swung a hammer very often. First day I'm handed a 16 pound sledgehammer and they have these giant spikes that you, you nail in these, uh, spikes into these like steel forms that shape the concrete, uh, when you're pouring parking lots and stuff. So they hand me the 16 pound sledgehammer and the guy just holds it and he's like, all right, swing away, drive this in. Well, I am like a frail, skinny, weak college freshman. I have no meat on my bones. Um, and I can barely swing this thing. I swing it. I miss so bad. I almost pulverize the guy's hand. Uh, very quickly, right after that, I hear a combination of syllables and words that the universe has never heard before. It singed the inside of my ears. That guy lit me up. Uh, it was so intense and crazy. Scared me so bad. But 
I had to learn really fast how to do that. And, and as the summer was going on, I could carry like one form, uh, one of these steel forms and throw it up in the trailer. You know, by the end of the summer, I could carry two. I mean, so it definitely was one of those things I adapted to and got to where I could swing that hammer. But starting out, it was dangerous and it wasn't even my hand. How many times we aren't strengthening the parts of us that need to be stronger so we can make those movements that create the results that we want to see. And so if you want to think about the mistakes, it's like this. We talked about the problems uh, of not knowing who we are. And we got a little bit then into the solution of what it looks like to live from a secure identity. Now we're really driving hard on this mistake when you're not getting the results that you want to see. Uh, when that relationship isn't growing like you want it to. Relationships are meant to grow. They can grow exponentially and dynamically. And yes, you may go through periods where they feel kind of dry and they're not as powerful. But for the most part, every opportunity is a moment for growth. And that's not cheesy or hype or motivational BS. It's that every time we feel something, it's a clue and a message to who we are, where we're headed, something that can grow and change within us, some way we can recognize how to not use that hammer to smash our thumb, but to build stuff. Now, we all can think of people right now that keep repeating a mistake that they don't stop doing, that's giving them the result that they want, that's hurting who they are, uh, hurting the relationships they have, hurting their ability to bring who they are into what they do. What does it mean for us to stop making self-sabotaging choices? Well, what we get to do, and this is the benefit that we get, if we learn from this mistake, um, we get to not be distracted with the things that hold us back, but really live from our desires. We get to figure out who we are, what we want to go after, and the party that we want to build. And what a lot of people have never been trained to do is how to replace their distractions with their desires. That's the benefit we want to get. How do we get there? How do we get to that place that we become, for lack of a better term, an informed optimist? We learn what's happening. We're not our own worst enemies. Uh, so for me, it was learning this. The number one mistake that I've made consistently I could word it a couple of different ways, but one way I would say it is, I've covered up present concerns to chase the future. So this is how I got into a business decision where I was on the hook for seven zeros, where I was involved in something so far over my head. Now, this was the heady days of the buildup in the real estate bubble, where I could pick up the phone and twice borrowed $40,000. It was crazy time. Uh, but it was a... Uh, a mess beyond what I was ready for or could really even handle. Uh, so it's this big stuff and it's the small stuff. When you're going into the board meeting or the team meeting and you're already upset and you're cocked and ready to fire over an issue and somebody brings something up and you're trigger happy and you burn that down. Uh, over and over, we make these self-sabotaging choices because of something that we don't believe we have, which goes back to that first mistake. When we live from a secure core, we're going to make great choices. So it gets cyclical, but we want to drive in on this mistake. So first and foremost, it's recognizing. We see it in others, 
Can we see in ourselves the times that we make choices that get us the results that make us miserable? So when we get the questions in the team meeting and we flare up and we defend ourselves and we posture and position, we're not able to be vulnerable and deal with the data as it is, and then we're fired and we don't understand what happened or what went wrong because we weren't able to be in the moment to be vulnerable, strategically so, wisely so, um, but own up to what we needed to own up to. We weren't able to be in that conflict in that relationship. We weren't able to stop repeating the patterns that keep giving us these results we're experiencing. So, Brett, uh, when I say stop self-sabotaging behaviors, uh, with what you see in the athletes that you work with, what comes to mind? Well, yeah, I think, uh, especially in pro sports where guys change teams a lot, um, you see them like continually getting guy who's been on eight teams in his career. Like obviously there's something that continues to happen or, um, you know, he can't stick in one place for very long. There's obviously something that keeps coming up. Um, that he's running into, uh, a brick wall or a problem, um, that, that shows up every, every place he goes, every stop he goes and it forces him to move on or get traded or get cut. Um, I think uh, same kind of thing shows up with uh, with coaches, um, where you see a coach, you know, change jobs quite a few times. Well, he went to the job all excited, um, with you know, dreaming of how how great the situation is going to be. Well, eventually something gets torn down. Oh, this place is not as good as it used to be, or all these problems are are in the way, and so I'm going to go find a different job. You know grass is greener on the other side. Well, then the same thing happens again. You know, I think, uh, um, you talk about guys getting a cycle of self-sabotaging, like they're, it's, it's something in their habits or their patterns or, you know, their internal stuff that causes, uh, these breakdowns in all these different places. Yeah. Well, and so what happens is, uh, they lose the potential of what could be about their future, uh, the present becomes miserable. And not only is it missed opportunity, it's also the tunnel vision that we get in stress. It's just acknowledging that life is stressful. Lots of problems happen. If you could solve every problem you have right now, you would have new problems tomorrow. It would be, they'd be created by solving all your problems. And if you get tunnel vision in the stress, uh, you lose this ability to move forward with optimism. But here's what we're going to say. It's not a naive, hyped optimism. It's an informed optimism. You're tied to reality. You face it fiercely. But you understand that what's happening right now is not an attack or threat to your dignity, your identity, who you are, even though your brain interprets it that way, even though you interpret it that way. Uh, you know, I know that I'm interpreting something as a threat to who I am, when I unnecessarily have a stress response and I elevate or my heart rate elevates and I start to perspire and maybe my eyes narrow and uh, all of a sudden my body, my posture's changing and my breathing becomes rapid and shallow, I'm interpreting the events that are happening around me as a threat to my dignity, my identity, my worth, who I am, my safety. Uh, when I understand this, 
This is not an attack on my dignity. It's a removal of distraction. You know, when I'm having something, when my back's against the wall and I got to innovate or die for work uh, to make to make the money I need to make, um, what's happening? It doesn't define me. It doesn't say that I suck and that I'm a loser. It's honing my ability to build the business. Uh, when maybe somebody that we care for is having a weak moment and they take their stress out on us. This isn't an attack on who we are. We're able to look at that and remove the distraction from this relationship that causes us to fire back, but take into account they could be having low blood sugar issues. They could just be exhausted. They could be afraid of something that's going on underneath the surface. That whatever it's ha- whatever's happening around us, this isn't about that. It's not about the circumstance. You know, when we have these elevated responses, it's because we're filtering it through our identity. So to be an informed optimist is to replace our distractions with true desire. And if you want to think about desire this way, most people think desire is the problem, that it's getting in the way. Um, No, it's that our desires aren't strong enough. They're not raging enough. Desire for identity and then desires for mission and community. So desire for identity says this, I desire to be in places where I'm celebrated just for who I am, right? That would be mine. I mean, everybody's going to have their own unique one. You go back to the second mistake and think through the fears. Maybe your desire is to be in a place where uh, you're just celebrated for who you are. It's a place that you feel safe and taken care of, a place where you can be vulnerable and not hurt. We all have that desire. Once we let that desire rage, we're going to have a lot more clarity on the desires that we want for the kind of work that we want to do, the way that we want to do our work, the kind of relationships that we want to have. And the stress of life will cloud out our ability to see desire and what's happening and what's there. Um, so, you know, we were in this season uh, just scrapping every day. Um, and I come home and there's a cat on our deck. Now, here's the problem with that. I'm allergic to cats. Like, not mildly allergic, like crazy allergic. There was this lady that I used to see. She'd give me a hug uh, as a part of work that I was doing that I would see her once a week. And, um, and she would want to give me this big hug. And she was a, she's a cat lady, man. I'm not trying to make fun of people, but she was. <laughs> and tons of cats. It was gross. I had to ask her to not give me a hug because it was usually right before I was going to speak for something. And I'd start sneezing. And I couldn't have that contact. So I'm like crazy allergic to cats. Um, not, you know, not at the level that, uh, like somebody has the anaphylactic allergies and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but just I'm allergic to cats too, but it hasn't been medically proven. (laughs) I think a lot of guys are, (laughs) um, that shared. So I come home and I see these, uh, this cat and I'm like, I hope y'all didn't feed that. And it's this, or it's a kitten, right? That makes this story even worse. It's a kitten and, uh, they did feed it. And where we lived then, it was kind of like a road you could drop off, you know, a pet, and that happens sometimes. And I'm like, I don't want this cat around. Uh, I felt stressed by the idea of having to take it to the vet, by the idea of having to pay for its food. And, I mean, I'm just telling you, like, it was tight. Going and buying the cat food, uh, it, it just wasn't possible. And so this specific day, I know that sounds ridiculous, but there have been days like that. Mm. Uh 
I see the cat and I'm like, well, I got to shoo it away from the house. And so I go outside and I'm trying to shoo it away from the house and I'm losing like everybody right now. They think I suck so bad. Uh, but I shoot it away from the house. I got this stick and I'm kind of like banging it on the ground. Shoo, shoo. And I get it chased away from the house, the side yard. And it's not going to leave. And this sounds horrible. And this sounds awful. But man, I wish I could tell you that I'm, I'm a better person. I had some dark thoughts go through my head regarding that cat because of the desperation I felt, how helpless I felt just regarding the finances of what it would take to take care of that. Um, and while this dark thought is going in my head, like time kind of freezes in it, the moment pauses. And I, and I hear my daughter say, what are you doing? And I turn around. I didn't even know she was there. She's on the driveway watching me. Another one of my kids comes out. Come to find out, they found a place for it to go. All this happened right when I'm in this moment that, uh, yeah, I'm not proud of it. It was a violent thought. There is, all the time, violence happening in this world. And sometimes we'd like to imagine that we're very far removed from it and we're distant from it. The reality is we're all able to be in a space where, first and foremost, we're violent with ourselves. I mean, when you tear down others, it's because you tear down yourself. And then we're violent with others. Why? Because at the core of who we are, there's an idea that says, I'm not enough or there will not be enough. Scarcity, right? This is the foundation of shame. And it will block up every decision you make. And you won't be able to replace distractions with desires. Uh if you want to think about it this way, every time you feel scarcity, it's an opportunity to step into abundance. Every time you feel shame, bad about who you are, shame in your circumstance, I'm not enough, there's not enough, it's a moment to transition into honor. Oh, there will be enough. I don't know how it works out, but it does. There'll just be enough. If you focus on awareness, like the resources you need will be there. So what we want to do to really not get stuck in this place where our desires get distorted. Brett, at the core of who I am, I didn't want to hurt that cat, right? I would feel like a piece of complete and utter crap to do something like that. So the core of who I am, that's not who I am. At the surface level, you know, I'm feeling desperate. We make bad choices because at the surface level, we feel desperate. But at the core of who we are, we want to stop those self-sabotaging choices. And, and so how do we do it? What do we do? How in the smallest of moments, because if you can just have a few small moments of awareness, it'll create uh, a catalytic momentum. One will lead to many more. If we can have one small moment of awareness, one will lead to many more, and we start to change who we are. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stories that we've told uh, and some of the other resources we've created. And so this is, I think, the only one that I'll tell here that we've told in other places. But it's such a huge moment for me. I was uh, taking my daughter out for a birthday lunch, my little, uh, at that time, three-year-old daughter. And we're having lunch. And I remember having this feeling with a person that I was in relationship with that uh, it was like they did things for me, but they did it for what they could get out of it, Right. Nobody knows anybody like that that's hearing this right mm -hmm. now. Um, and so 
I, I, I had that on my mind. I'm sitting there with her, and I start to think about what we were going to do after we had lunch. And I started to have these questions forming in my mind. And not that I would have said them out loud, but they became, uh, as they were forming in my mind, they, they came to my awareness. And I felt myself within having questions like, hey, don't you have a great daddy who took off time for lunch to hang out with you? Right? In other words, hey, little three-year-old, be responsible for the existential needs of my identity. Mm-hmm. Now, I wish all of the times that we repeat self-sabotaging choices, we could get that much clarity on the inner thoughts that shape those choices. Uh, but it doesn't happen that way. We can't always have that insight and awareness. Uh, it takes time to develop it. We grow in it. But all you need is a few to get the ball rolling. And I had that moment there, and it was like lightning struck my brain, and I was like, oh my gosh, I am doing this moment right now for me, not her. And that was a self-sabotaging choice. You parent that way, you don't enjoy a lifelong adult relationship with your kids. You lead at work that way, people aren't like, oh, I love being led by him. I love being led by her. They just know what they're doing and how to take care of things and move it forward in a healthy, awesome way. They're not saying that about you. They're saying awful things about you. And so I have this moment of awareness, and I instantly, in that moment, changed why I was doing that. And, and it was a confession in my mind. I'm not doing this right now for me. This is for her. Now, Brett, that was a super crazy small moment. Right. And it started a process that, uh, you know, is everything that Sight Shift's about. That the resources that we're creating, the insight that we had later into identity mission community, you know, came out of this moment. And so the passion here is to help people understand there is the smallest of moment that you can recognize that you can tap into the fact that when you think about, you know, the people you lead at work, you see their disapproving faces. Well, shame is energizing you, right? Face represents the presence of others. When we see their face, this is who they are to us. Maybe you have that internal scorning speech. All self-talk is normal, okay? It's not always normal to be aware of it. A lot of people are numbed out and distracted from who they are. Growth is becoming aware of the self-talk and allowing the transformation to occur. You know, maybe there's, there's uh, scared and scarred feelings that have shaped who you are and shaped some of your responses. All it takes is one small micro moment of awareness to get this ball rolling. And so the thing that has to be deconstructed is that to stop self-sabotaging choices, it's going to take a massive effort. It's going to take willpower. Well, it's not about willpower. It's not about how willful you exert your energy to make change happen. It's how willing you are to tear down the wall, to be vulnerable, to recognize that at the core of who you are, you desire something in regards to your identity. And that if you can replace what you're distracting yourself with and live out of that true desire, you're going to relax your way into this. 
Now, I know that's counterintuitive. I want to check in thoughts or questions or concerns with this. Yeah, just thinking about your, you know, your lunch with your daughter. Like you hear that, you hear you tell your story and like, um, it seems like you're crazy intense. Like, come on, Chris, it was just lunch with your daughter. Like, <laughs> it's cool to say, hey, are you having fun? Um, you know, I was working with a, a basketball player doing a free throw game, you know, pressure free throws. He missed it a few times. Next thing you know, he's punching the basketball across the gym. And uh, afterwards, I'm asking him, like, why did you do that? Well, I got frustrated. Well, why would you get frustrated? Because I missed. It's like, what does it matter if you miss? You know, trying to get below the surface of this thing, you know, create a small moment. And I'm like, you got frustrated because your worth is tied to whether you make that free throw or not. And he just laughs at you know, laughs, laughs me off like, oh, come on, man. It's not that serious. And, like, it's hard to convince them. Like, yeah, it actually is that serious, you know. Um, but, it, no, it's just, you really, it is just a freak, though. It's just the two of us in the gym. There's really no pressure on it at all. But it got him super frustrated. You know what I mean? So, like, are these small moments really big moments or are they just, like, are we overstating the issue? Like, we've been a little overdramatic here. Yeah, dude, I love it. Um, here's what I would say. Have we talked about the caterpillar yet? In no. The, okay, uh. dude. <laughs> uh, and you're, you know, you're the one that actually, we had talked about Radio Lab podcast, uh, I know before, and you had told me about this one episode, so I had to go check it out. And just, this is like, this right now, if I'm hearing this on the other end, uh, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, we're talking about a caterpillar. This is like the snowflake thing. This is cheesy. Okay. Uh, my cynicism kicks in pretty fast. So just hang tight, people. Um, this is crazy, crazy knowledge. The caterpillar, and you correct me on this too, Brett, if I mess up some of the specifics. It's when it goes into the cocoon, um, it becomes goo. And as it turns into goo, what they find, and this was a surprising discovery for caterpillar scientists, uh, mm. that Uber class of people, whoever that is, <laughs> however that works. Uh, but so it, they, they turn into goop, but the structure for their wings is actually there. And then they emerge out of the cocoon, f- transforming from this goo. But the structure for their wings is, the, are, you know, is there. And then they're this new thing. They're this new iteration, this new creation, if you will, whatever word you're going to use. Yeah. Uh, so a way of saying this is what they need to change, it's already in them. It's already in the structure of the caterpillar. The wing is already in there. It has to be unleashed. Now, uh, the other thing that was crazy about this is they zapped some caterpillars and they sprayed a scent. And so they wanted to see, even though it becomes goo, at what level it takes its pain or brain or trauma or whatever through that process of transformation. And they found after the butterflies emerge, they could spray that scent. And they avoid that scent. They still remember being shocked prior to this metamorphosis. Am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy to think about. So one of my kids actually tonight uh, before dinner had walked in with a caterpillar. And I was like... Oh my gosh, I got to tell you about the caterpillar. <laughs> so anybody listening to this that, you know, these podcasts, this is just like what I talked about before dinner. Um, my poor kids, my poor, poor kids. Uh, but this is, this is why I'm saying all this. 
It's not just shooting a free throw. Everything is an extension of who we are. And until we can learn to stare at a piece of grass and have our mind blown, we will not get to the bleeding edge of our performance and our abilities. Um, and we'll end with that. So we're, we'll, we'll come back to staring at grass. Uh, not that grass. I'm thinking like real lawn grass. Because um, then it's like opens up all kinds of new jokes. Um, but it's this idea that says there are no, there are no small movements that don't matter. You know, I had some lower back pain a couple years ago. And I realized the way that I was holding my lower back, I wasn't engaging some muscles just from sitting for so long and doing work that was sitting um, had caused part of the lower part of my spine to just start degenerating. I've started doing exercises to strengthen it. I stand at a standing desk and work often. But I also had to change like how I did small movements, squatting to pick something up not just bending my back to do it. How I got in and out of a car. Uh, and actually a person helped me with this and they helped me pay attention to how fast I tried to move through the smallest of moments and cut out things to be efficient and was actually deforming my muscles as I went. And so for him not to make those free throws and to be blocked up doing that, it's for him to recognize you're not going to rigidly impose what you want for your will to happen in this life. You may get a few short wins, but until there's a reality that says, I'm going to give up rigidity and relax my way into willingly being in this moment and noticing my desires at the deepest levels and replacing those with what distract me, you will always be a shadow version of who you could be. Um, and, and it's not one of these things that we, you know, we just go, okay, well, I'm going to relax my way into this, so I'm just giving up. I mean, here it is nighttime for me. I know different time zone for you, but you're, you know, making the effort to be here. Uh, and we're, we're passionate about this, right? We're not just relaxing our way into the work that we're trying to create as far as like, I woke up, I opened my computer and there it was. Right. But the framework with which we approach it, how we go about doing it, which we hit on this a little bit in one of the other mistakes helps us be clued into, are we moving out of a false energy of who we are getting distracted or are we really living from a solid core and going, this is the desire that I have. And I'm going to stop doing this thing that gets in my way. For me, at that moment, my daughter's birthday uh, lunch, it was about, I'm going to stop parenting for what I want to get out of it. Now, have I always done that in every moment? No. Uh, did that start a chain of events that changed everything? Oh, yeah. Um, gosh, like six months later, I quit the job that I thought I would have for life. Um, I stepped away from the unknown into, well, I, at least I, I, I shared that I wouldn't be uh, in that job forever, which was immature because I shared too soon. I shared with, uh, uh, you know, my boss, a present vulnerability before I had the future plan. And so mm -hmm. I'm demoted. 
uh, you know, two weeks later and two months later told take a 25% pay cut or go. Um, but it put in a crazy chain of events that began all because I became aware at that moment. Did all the change happen after that? Because of that one moment in the sense that I never had to do more work at this? No. It's what you do every day. Uh, You know, every day, I know, Brett, you capture your ideas, you add to your knowledge, you're studying yourself, you're studying how you can help with others. Um, You know, and that's not being exaggerating. I mean, like every day, that's not something where I'm saying, well, five days a week at certain times, you know. I can't remember a day where I haven't captured a thought or an idea where I haven't wanted to move something forward. That action every day comes out of the desire of who I am and it keeps me from getting distracted. And so this life that's amazing that we want to build that I'm 37, that in 40 years, I'm 77 years old, I'm leading events to help people learn how to live and lead from a secure identity. I'm quoting others like crazy because it's not about the resources I'm creating. I just want to lift up people that are doing great work. Um, You know, I've got a vision for what that looks like and what my health looks like and all these things. It will not happen because at age 62, I say I'm going to start making that happen. It's because every day I'm moving forward with that action, with that laser-focused mission. And that comes out of the smallest moments of not being distracted but living from desire. So I really went on yeah. <laughs> to your question. Yeah, so, well, so we talk about relaxing into it. Um, I think it's important. I guess there's still a willful component to it. There's like you put an effort forward towards it. Um, and it's still important. Like I can't go to this player and say, hey, the free throws really aren't that important whether you make them or not. Like, well, no, they do matter. Like they, difference between winning and losing games. Um, but I guess you get deeper and deeper to the core issue. Is that where we're saying it? You know, it doesn't really have an impact there. Um, as far as like identity is concerned, and then like, you know, most people will say, you know, just, just try harder, just focus more. You know, and that's where we're relaxing. It's not that. Yeah. Am I making sense? Totally, totally. So here's the way I would say it. Uh, when I'm relaxed with who I am, I can bring a clarity, a relaxed state into what I do, but it's still going to be hard work to shoot those free throws in practice like crazy, to work out the muscles that need to be worked out to keep me at the edge. Um, you know, the the stuff we want to create for site shift to do the work, to create the platform for the work, to create the resources that supplement the work. Uh, all of that takes effort and it takes an enhancing of skill. It takes a development, but you know, when somebody's doing their work, if they're doing it from a place of rage and you better respect me and they're frantically trying to grab for every scrap they can or a place where it's like, oh, they're just synced up. There's a congruence. They know who they are. They're focusing their passion and skills on doing that thing. And they leave us with a sense of awe because we feel like we've watched something special. Um, 
And I believe we all have that ability to have that brilliance to who we are, that we live in a space with at least one other person that can see us radiate, right? And there's, there's this heat, this energy, this passion, this light to who we are. Because it looks different for introversion and extroversion and all these different things. Uh, um, but that we learn how to downshift into that secure desire of who we are. That the disapproving face that drives us fades away. You know, whatever that is from the past. Maybe it's the strong voice of tradition in our life. Maybe it's the strong voice of others. But that we come to that place where we learn to stand on our own and our own identity. That we don't have to say, how do you want me to behave? How, how do you want me to act so I can belong with you? Um, but that instead we say, we've found that our own internal uh, guiding north star. That we turn to goo. It hurts. We go through painful moments of self-reflection uh, and redefinition, but we find that there was something within us that aids to our transformation to the next level, that this structure for our wings was there. And yeah, we bring the pain from what's happened in the past, and we want to avoid it, but the more that we become aware of how that scent triggers that response, hmm. um the more clarity we'll have into focusing those desires. The desire into the desires. Desire of identity into the desires of mission and community. And so that's why this kind of comes a little bit back full circle. These six mistakes previous to this one are about learning what's within you, how to tap into that, and then how to recover from these things you've been exposed to that create these responses. So what we want to do now, as we bring this back around, is say, let's do one more gut check. As you move out and make your decisions, uh, do you have this big future vision for who you want to be? Um, can you build the substance and structure in your life so you can run with your inspirations? Can you focus on eliminating mistakes in high-pressure situations? Uh, that's what world-class performers do. Can you learn to use the mistakes that you inevitably will make for your propulsion? Can you learn how to recover under pressure rather than trying to remove all pressure? Because we're never going to remove all the pressure. We want to grow. We want to play at the highest levels. So I want to value deep recovery when I'm under the gun of the moment, you know, what it feels like to be in that space. Um, and then at the same time, I can learn to play at that level. Uh, that paradoxically enjoying the process opens up my greatest performance. <laughs> that I take those jumps because I'm going to jump, but I'm going to take a breath before I do it so I can relax, improve my peripheral vision, I can check my surroundings. Uh, for a lot of people, and this happened for me, success gives you a false sense of uh, your strengths and success gives you a false sense of how good you think you are. And when you don't know what got you there and what and under what conditions those steps worked that might not have always worked, you're going to be your own worst enemy. Um, so I, each day, I'm going to own the fact that there are lots of ways for me to gain momentum. There's lots of ways for me to grow. But I can only stop growing 
or lose momentum through making a decision out of insecurity. You know, assuming something wasn't done to me where violence wasn't enacted to me, but even that can be turned around and multiplied into something greater. But feeling secure in the present means I can start to evaluate my past decisions without being defensive and look at what's around me right now and say, okay, am I distorting reality to force a story that I want to be true? The reason I can't make that free throw shot is because the coach is riding me too hard. You know, well, no, the coach isn't responsible for whether you make that shot or not. You are. What's it like for you to have an internal voice that's so strong you shut that out? And I'm not saying that was that player's issue. I'm just using it. Right, this right. No, that's a good example. Am I looking for one fact to just justify what I feel in insecurity? Uh, and then I'm going to cover up my concerns, right? Um, well, I've made horrible decisions because I just need one reason to do this. And I'll buy that house, you know? We, we just need one reason to do it, and we cover up our concerns. Am I counting on some kind of external factor I can't control because I'm chasing a fantasy? Um, you know, that's an escapism. I'm making a future plan to distract myself from present pain, and I'm not really figuring out who I am and what I need to do in this moment. And when we become aware at this level, then we know the reasons that we hijack our decision-making. And it's because we don't know how, who we are and how to tap into that desire and how to recognize the small moments of awareness and how to truly relax our way into it so that we do the work that's hard, that grows us, not from a place of fear, but from a place of, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It's going to sound cheesy for some people. Gratitude. We do it from a place of gratitude. This is how we relax our way into our brilliance. Um, this job that I had where I had to learn how to swing a sledgehammer, one time there was a concrete truck that was pulling up in the job site, and we were told uh, that we had to move the trailer. And so I was told that I had to move it, the truck with the trailer. I'd never moved a truck with a trailer before. Um, I'd never driven one. And so the concrete truck's bearing down, honking its horn. I have to jump in the truck to move it. I hammer down the gas. I jackknife it. <laughs> Dude, I ram that trailer right up into the back of that truck. <laughs> um, I want to perform. I want to do things right. I was being yelled at. But I, I reached this little breaking point with that job that day because it was super crazy, stressful, out of my comfort zone, hard work. I literally one day, because it was the heat of the Southwest and... Uh, what's considered the southwest corner of Arkansas, I sweated all my sweat out. It was like 2 or 3 p.m., and they were like, you know, McAllister, you're not sweating. Go sit down. I threw up like crazy that night. It was an intense job. That mistake, jackknifing that trailer, I remember laughing about it with my buddy on the way home because it wasn't mine. I didn't care. And it was an awful attitude to have. <laughs> but the connection that I want to make is this. And this is hard to grab a hold of. When we understand that all the resources we need to make the great transitions of our lives are already within us. Let's go back to the caterpillar. Um, mm. I'm going to get a giant tattoo of a caterpillar on my back. <laughs> what a great announcement. Gross and weird. <laughs> uh, when, when I understand that, when I understand the reality that I have what I need, it relaxes me in the moment 
to recognize these small, small places of change. And it opens up my gratitude. You can't be grateful until you feel secure. Truly grateful. Now, there are people, and this happens a lot, where there's this movement that we try to shame people into being thankful. True gratitude isn't based on comparison, right? With our young kids, you know, if they don't eat all their dinner, and I'm like, hey, do you know kids in Africa would kill for that food? That's not gratitude. Who's been taught how to practice healthy nutrition and really enjoy the taste of food because their parents guilted them into being grateful? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about taking a deep breath. Not gratitude that you've shamed yourself into through comparison or others have. No shame here. No feeling bad about who you are. But looking at what you have, where you are, and saying thank you. Thank you. I don't know what this looks like for you, Brett, but I know that I stumbled onto this in college, and it was it was truly life-changing for me. I've taught it to others. Uh, this will be the first time that we've really included it into a resource. I know I did a podcast uh, you know, a couple months ago by the time this goes out just on this idea, but it's worth mentioning again because this is the beginning of how we replace or, or how we come full circle and replace distractions with desires. It's the ability to go to bed at night when you can't fall asleep. And I've had to rebuild my ability to sleep twice. But lay there and go, I'm so thankful I have a toothbrush. I know that sounds stupid, man. <laughs> but what if you could be thankful for that? Do you know how amazing that is? I want to live life with appreciation like a recovered addict. If you've been around those people, they know how to laugh at the brokenness. Not, not in a sadistic way, but in a way of like, yeah, we're all moving somewhere beautiful and it's messy and it's sacred and it's this crazy mix. But th- I'm thankful that I have a bed. You know, twice in us going into the startup phase, I mentioned this in an earlier episode, you know, we've slept on a memory foam mattress yeah. for a couple months. I'm thankful I have a mattress. Um, I'm thankful that uh, I have deodorant. My family's thankful I have deodorant. Uh, I'm the smallest moment. Now, is this about hyping your way past, talking yourself uh, out of tough moments or out of your feelings? No. You know, we cover that in other mistakes. When you come out of that cocoon, you still want to run from that scent. There is legitimate pain associated with what's happened. But we're talking about how to get to the core level of who you are. And when you learn how to sit non-judgmentally with your desires, you want more. Your desires rage. You want to go after it. And you're ambitious. And, and we both have ambition. But the place our ambition comes from is not an insecure state that says, if we don't get this, we won't be whole. But from a place of, this is awesome that I get to do this. Um, I know we want to apply this to some different areas, but I just want to check in with you on that or thoughts yeah. or questions. Yeah, we came back to what we talked about earlier in earlier podcasts was uh, it's, it comes back to the motivation, and that's that's the difference maker. Something you said that I'm going to pin to my wall right now is you have everything you need right now to be the person you want to be. Like everything's there. It's just it's calling out that, that right stuff. And I've... I'm learning to be the catalyst, uh, to be a catalyst in your own growth. If you can learn to question your own worldview or challenge yourself. And it's just asking, 
And it's what you said in these small moments is asking yourself, why? Why do I do that? Why am I doing this? Why am I responding this way? Who taught me to do it this way? Uh, who told me this was right or this was wrong? Um, but start asking all those questions. We keep, keep start going drilling down, down to the, to the deep patients. Yes. Yeah, like, um, yeah, who told me this was right? This was wrong. Who told me to play it safe or this was out of bounds? Uh, you know, who told me I wasn't ready? Uh, who told me that I needed to speak up or that it's not my responsibility? Uh, we just go on and on, uh, of challenging, like, where did we learn this? Where, uh, uh, why are we wired this way? Why, what shaped us into becoming, um, you know, responding this way? Uh, yeah. All those things that could challenge, challenge who you are, challenge your worldview, challenge your behaviors. Those are good questions. Who? Yeah, I love because for those of you that don't know, some of those questions came out of an email Brett sends out for Sight Shift Champion, and I loved it. You were like, "Who told you you were too late? You know, who told you you're not enough?" No doubt circumstances have, but what happens when you tap into these places of the shames and the should and you get free of that, then you learn your pressure points, right? You learn how to eliminate those mistakes in those pressure situations. You know how to recover under the pressure like we are talking about. Uh, you stop being your own worst enemy. Um, every time that I'm around somebody that is on a trajectory of growth, no matter what crappy circumstance they find themselves in, it's amazing and I feel alive. Uh, And they could have a lot of momentum and a lot of great circumstances. Uh, When I'm around somebody who I know is uh, eating their own BS, or I hear like the loudest yelling ever. Can you pick it up? I'm just checking in with you. No, It's like, oh! I think there's some kind of like Mario Brothers tournament happening downstairs because we recently got a new game. It's been raining a ton. And, uh, dude, it's been so fun. And Dang, so, I want to come to your house. Right now, dude, I feel left out, man. Can I just <laughs> tell you that as a fear? Like, uh, <laughs> But so I'm, I'm hearing that on my end. I don't know if the mic was picking it up or not. But this idea that when I'm around people where they haven't learned how to replace distraction with desires and they're consumed with how their fears have distracted them and they're living a shadow version of who they are. Uh, it, it's like, it's like you're hanging out with them in the cocoon and there's goo and it's lifeless. And you just want to say to them, it's already there. So what's it look like for, you know, we're applying it to these four areas the startup CEO founder. Um, you're scared to death. You got to prove yourself. What if the business fails? What if it doesn't work like you think? What if you can't lead to the next level as it's growing like crazy? I mean, everybody's story is different. No story is better than another. What's it look like for you right now to start going? I can be thankful for it already as it is. I already have everything I need to do to face this challenge or to grow to the next level. It's in me. I may need other voices to help call it out. I need other voices to help point it out. Great insight and and resources oftentimes just point out what we know is already within us. We're like, oh, I've been feeling that. You know, great music puts words to our feelings and we get clarity. Maybe for you, uh, as an athlete, you want to be at the highest levels. You want to get to the edge of your abilities. 
What's it look like for that desire to rage from a place of, yes, hardcore ambition, but a deep centeredness and rest in who you are? And how do you get there? The smallest micro moments of being thankful for your toothbrush. Go ahead and laugh. Try it. It works. Mm -hmm. You practice that until you pass out at night. It changes the wiring of your brain. Uh, Maybe for those of you that are the going after the professional career and you're wanting to do it different. Uh, as a doctor, as an attorney, you're saying, you know, I don't want to just build this career and start checking out at some point, but I really want to stay engaged. I really want to replace those distractions with desires. I don't want to repeat self-sabotaging choices. You know, I want to make those great decisions and be an informed optimist. In the middle of what I'm doing, how do I do this? It's when you learn to see each person that you're with, and I know this is exhausting, eyeball to eyeball, as another human being who may be in caterpillar phase, who may be in goo phase, but it's there. And in some small way, you're partnering with what's happening in and through them. Um, look, this isn't for me craziness. Uh, you know, I said this to my kids the other night. We're talking about patterns and how patterns play out and how you learn to recognize patterns. And I said something that sounded sad. I said, you know, most people never change. That's just true. Most people aren't going to change. They're going to become a worse version of themselves. They're not going to stop self-sabotaging sabotaging choices. That's why this book, we're calling it Seven Mistakes Everybody Makes But Few Learn From, or this podcast series. But some do. Some go through dynamic, stratospheric change. And it won't happen as fast as they want, and it doesn't happen overnight. But they dynamically reinvent who they are, They become different versions of themselves, better versions of themselves. They stop being obsessed with how much they got done that day. And instead, they start to learn to see themselves as a human being and see others and say, how was I formed today? How was I shaped by the choices that I made? Was I becoming the best version of myself? And for those that are in um, corporate leadership that, frankly, uh, get beat up on, oftentimes by others, like they've sold out for golden handcuffs. They've been shamed for that. Um, And they're trying to do the best they can to take care of others and to take care of their families. Caught between lots of warring political kingdoms. What does it mean for them to learn that they can be cunning in their strategy? Great big hearts in their motives and they can live in the tension of both of those spaces. That they get to have the desire, rage within them, to see others as human beings, to see themselves as human beings, and try to rehumanize what's been dehumanized. But to see the micro-movements around them, and to constantly do what they can as leaders to improve the lives of others, to help them move towards self-empowerment, to help them move away from being directed by the bureaucracy, the red tape, the strong voice of tradition, the strong voice of others, to not manipulate with fear, but to flip that and to help really champion what it means to lead from secure identity. So wherever they find themselves in this journey, our hope is through these mistakes, uh, we would learn from them and actually change and experience that dynamic shift that it's already there in us. It's time to let it out. Brett, anything else you want to add, man? No, man. I'm jacked to go learn and grow and chase the best version of myself now. This is cool. 
Dude, I love it. Thanks so much for being along on this journey in these episodes. Thanks, uh, everybody, for listening in. We've been glad to have you along for this series. Uh, let us know what you've thought about it. You know, you can hit it up on Twitter. Um, B3Birch is your Twitter handle, right, Brett? You got it. Uh, so B3, the number three, Birch, B-U-R-C-H. And mine's Chris McAllister. And uh, one of each letter in the last name, no double letters. Uh, you can go to the website, chrismcallister.com. But we'd love to get an email from you or hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you thought about this series. And uh, keep along on this journey with us. And uh, be thankful for the toothbrush. Peace out. Peace. This has been The Sight Shift, lead podcast with Chris McAllister. Thank you for listening. 